ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, welcome to your five minutes of funk, an American cultural think tank five minutes at a time. This is Tim, and uh, I had every intention of going easy on y'all today. I mean, I'm recording this on the birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in 2022, and... I was going to go back to our original five minutes and keep it moving format, but having to think and feel in the shadow of the legacy of a man who felt that social justice and love through that social justice was paramount in his life, I think I'm going to have to talk about a little bit more stuff, to be clear. <laughs> So this weekend, I had the pleasure of having lunch and a subsequent brunch with a really good friend of mine who was visiting in town from, from, from Texas. And this friend is an educated professional. Uh, I don't want to go into any details, but don't want to put people's business in the streets. You know how I do. But this is an educated professional, and we talked about a bunch of different things, uh, you know, just about the world around us and, and her occupation and my occupation, stuff like that. And in the course of that conversation, a very interesting element surfaced. She mentioned how her bosses, her superiors, where she works, in email correspondence has, and, 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 and bear with me because I can't remember if her bosses ordered this, if they required this, or if they strongly recommended it, but I kind of get the feeling that this was a little bit beyond the bounds of a strong recommendation. What they directed, for the sake of this discussion we're having, let's just say they directed it. They directed all personnel to identify their pronouns in written and email correspondence. Now, just in case you've been living under a rock for the last five years or so, there has been a movement in uh, social media and other means of communication where folks classify or, or, or call out the pronouns by which they wish to be identified. You know, he, his, or him, and it crosses these different cases of the English language. I won't turn this into an English lesson, going back to your freshman year in high school and stuff like that. But the pronouns are meant to say right up front how you wish to be identified in correspondence. The, the rationale for this is that not every person will identify with whatever gender they may or may not look like. And I say this only in the course of, of, of this discussion. It's not, I don't mean to sound glib. I don't mean to sound like uh, I'm, I'm trying to overgeneralize just how uh, expansive this entire use of the English language can be. But this is, for the sake of brevity, that's pretty much what it is, that there are folks who have chosen to identify by a specific gender or no gender, and there is a protocol, if you will, of how they wish to be identified in written correspondence, written official correspondence. So my friend, her bosses, pretty much said, look, for all future correspondence, you are going to contain your pronouns 
how you wish to identify yourself. And my friend took a bit of umbrage with this. I don't know if the umbrage was so much about uh, a, a, a dissatisfaction or an annoyance with this requirement from her bosses, or was it directed at the entire uh, requirement to have to recognize people and the way that they identify themselves as a whole? You know, the entire social movement that has become gender identity in, in, in Western society. I don't know where the frustration originated, but our conversation definitely moved in that direction. Her direction was, uh, you know, I don't want, meaning her, I don't want to have to, to, to use my pronouns. I am okay with having my pronouns just, you know, not have to make this requirement for me to have to do it. So why do I have to if other people feel that this is necessary for themselves? She felt as though this, in, this entire uh, directive to call out one's pronouns was completely unnecessary and brought on by this whole gender identity thing and this whole LGBT thing, right? Now, two things up front along the lines of full disclosure. Uh, this was this is someone that I really admire and like a great deal. This is also someone who I would identify as a religious conservative. Definitely from I, I don't want to call out what specific religious uh, underpinning she has, but let's just say that it would be more on the conservative side. And this is someone who wholeheartedly believes in social justice matters. This is not someone that's going to remotely think that anti-vaxism and, and all, the all rights matter crowd are anything but a bunch of bullshit. She thinks they are, but just the same, she is religiously conservative and articulated this frustration that she feels that her management is going a little bit too far with respect to demanding her, who is a straight woman that does not feel an absolute necessity to call out her pronouns. And with the frustration she had with her bosses, to which I said, kind of. The example that I used when I explained it to, and I listened to her spiel, and, and, and granted, you know, this is a very busy woman. That, that There's just one other thing that has to be piled on top of an already full schedule, full spate of things that she has to do in the course of her, her professional life. So I understand that whenever here's one more thing that I got to put my mind to, one more thing that I have to consider before being able to just get my work done. But to her frustration, I looked at the, the, the frustration that she had with the way that her bosses were putting this on their on their on their staff and you know did she have a reason to be frustrated and i said kind of kind of see the example that i used the context that i borrowed from was from a number of years ago when 
there were writers who called out the use of he when folks would write stuff and it could be they could be referring using a pronoun there's that word right using a pronoun to 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 talk about uh fields like doctors or lawyers or 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 stuff and stuff like that that could easily be men or women but they used he in in terms of any kind of literature or 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 any kind of writings they would say he and the and i am old enough to remember when that was a debate that was a thing to which um i would listen to folks say things like you know the he implies that there are men and women in there and the answer to that would be okay then why not use she I mean, if 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 the both genders, if you will, at the time we're just talking about two genders in 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 these in these different uh, contexts. But if it, if you're talking about an implicit reference to both genders, then why not say one uh, say the other gender other than he? Boy, did I get some hemming and hawing on the part of people that did just did not want to use she at all. My standpoint was, how freaking hard is it to just say he or she, which has come to be the standard now. But I will say that for a number of years now, as a and I was in the uh, I was, as a student, as a graduate student, and, and 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 as a person who participated in a number of of of, of academic writing symposiums and what have you, I remember the consternation that came out of people having to write he or she. You know, it really, when you look at it now, it's really not that effing hard to do a, 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 a he slash she, or what I've been doing was put in an S slash H-E, she or he, put make, you know, put in the she first, and people get the ethos of what I'm trying to say to them, that is he or she, but the there were people that really tried to push back on this for semantic reasons, nothing more than the rhetoric, the, the actual mechanics of writing something down and how arduous it would be to have to now change publications to he or she when we know what they meant by saying, she, just saying he and implicitly referring to women too. You can imply all you want. You can think you mean something, but if it's written down on paper, what does it say? Now, I understand that that can open up a rhetorical and a semantics minefield where people uh, look to, to poke holes in, 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 in certain things by saying, well, you know, you look at the letter of what it's saying, that's what it says. I mean, there really is no other meaning behind it. But we all know that that is simply not true. The people that pushed back on saying he or she and trying to say this nonsense about how he is uh, that she is implicit in the pronoun he. We all know that that's somebody trying to piss on your head and tell you a dream. These are people that did not want to put she. It doesn't come down to them trying to they, they try to turn it into this 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 
this this new kind of arduous task of having to 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 account for both of these pronouns and it's just going to take too long it's going to be just too much work and he's going to have to rewrite stuff now we have to accommodate these women come on that's exactly what they mean they don't want to put she when it was this this the thing with he or she that was a period that I recall of a significant amount of growing pain of having to to have the written word, the like rhetorical strategy mirror what's going on in society. It's a growing pain. I mean, we look back on it now and think, how freaking hard was it to put he or she? It wasn't. Similarly, it's really not that hard to put your pronouns if needed. Should it be imposed on someone that does not have a need and a need to identify themselves by way of a pronoun? If you don't have the necessity or you don't feel the necessity of doing that, you probably shouldn't have to. But having businesses and organizations impose that on everybody is part of that growing pain to be able to ensure that they are included that 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 individuals that do not identify by their biological gender if they've made a decision and gone through whatever necessary uh actions and and and, and identities if you will of creating the identity that they seek to be identified by, and we are tasked as a society to recognize them, there's going to be some growing pains therein. Sh and, and I acknowledge this to my friend. And I said, understand that this is part of that whole growing pain of having to adjust rhetoric and communication to ensure that people are properly identified with the way that they need to be identified. And don't take it personal. You know, it may feel annoying, but it's it, it should not be. Just be patient was exactly the way that I put it. Now, along that same vein, I also know that there may have been a tone of frustration that might just have been inspired by the fact that as I described throughout the outset of this of, of this recording that she is a religious conservative now I I would be naive in thinking that that did not have any impact on the frustration that she was feeling that here go these LGBTs and Lord knows what other identities and it's just something coming from that piece of identity and it's imposing on somebody like me who feel like I don't need to have that. Uh, as, 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 and that, too, along, you know, like I always like to say along the lines of full disclosure, that, too, is a growing pain that we just we, we it becomes a minefield of people's religious beliefs and what they deem to be important and not important. So here go these LGBTs again coming up with reasons to impact us all. Just because now they have the microphone, so to speak, and they are uh, speaking the loudest. So in my discussion with my friend, I offered up another piece of, 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 of context here. And it had to do 
with the volume by which, let's say, the LGBTs or other protected groups have uh, utilized over the last several decades, maybe even longer than that. Now, before I go any further, a protected group, and I might have mentioned this in a previous uh, in a previous recording, but in case you don't recall or in case I forgot, a protected group is basically HR language to talk about a group of people that are potentially and routinely discriminated against purely by virtue of their membership to that group. All of that long-windedness to say that if you're a black person, there is a propensity that you could be discriminated against just by virtue of being black. If you are an LGBT person or if you are old or, you know, if you are over a certain age, I don't want to say old, I'm in that group now. But if you are over a certain age, if you're of a certain religion, your membership in that group could be, uh, you could make you the target of discriminatory practice. Therefore, Human resources language puts the term protected groups on that. That's what a protected group is. So in talking about protected groups through history, when was the last time the status quo white male establishment just out of the goodness of its benevolent heart just decided to give respect and equal voice to a protected group? Let me let me keep you from hurting yourself. Never. It's never happened. Every time you have a protected group, we're talking about women's suffrage in the 20s. We're talking about the civil rights movement in, in the 60s, in the 50s and 60s. These are groups we're talking about the LGBT community in the, the, the late 60s, early 70s. These are groups that needed to speak up and shout to the world that they exist and that they are deserving of equal protections under the law and in society. Don't believe me? Look back. I, you know what? Look at something as basic as the times where, 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 where someone could be victimized purely by way that they look. How many times have black people, for example, been just walking down the streets and have white people Cost them just by virtue of being black. The the murder of Armad Arbery is a perfect example where this is a man jogging, and for whatever reason, someone just up and decided to mess with him, kill him, and try to look for all of these reasons as to why it was justified. Thankfully, those two scumbags are gonna rot in prison. But you can best believe that similar stuff happened to LGBT people, for example. If you had an effeminate man that was working in an office setting in the 50s, you can best believe, you could bet your last money that somebody was going to pick on him just by virtue of him being effeminate. This man could have been minding his own business, but somebody within the status quo community was going to find a way to dislike that man and probably harass him or what have you. 
This will be somebody minding their own business. Yet here comes somebody putting him in a position to have to fight back. That is where the voice of protest comes from. Because as much as people sit and, 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 and raise their voices about their rights, they want to be able to put a, a picture of their husbands and their children and their dog on their desk or in their locker at work when straight people have been able to do it all the time, to be able to talk about things going at home with their husbands and their wives. But LGBT people can't. And the reason why is because of y'all. It's because of the status quo that tell these people that they cannot do it. And eventually enough is enough and people are going to start speaking up about it and they're going to raise holy hell until you start listening. This is what I told my friend that we as straight people and I identify full disclosure. I identify as a straight, a uh, cissexual man. And I've never felt like I was under the thumb of someone's ire purely by virtue of being that straight heterosexual man. LGBT people do not have that luxury. I say that from a standpoint of privilege to be able to say that this is something, this is a battle that I've not had to fight in my lifetime. But LGBT people have to do that. So when you have uh, 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 these these humongous, grandiose expressions of LGBT identity, like pride, and it rubs against the grain of a lot of straight people, including these religious conservatives, mind you. The first thing they do is they get annoyed, and why do they have to do these types of things? It's because of y'all. It's because of you. You're the one that put these people in a position to have to speak out and identify themselves and not just to be able to say, hey, I'm here. It's, hey, I'm here. And whether or not you like it, you can kiss my ass because I'm here and I'm deserving of your respect. And this is what I told my friend. That we come from a position that we've not had to do that. But the first thing that we want to do is look at it, and it's such a first world thing to do. You know what I mean? It's this thing where now I've got to adjust my written correspondence for the greater good of this whole gender identity thing. I don't want to go too long and talking in circles with this, but there's another piece of this that really just lands with me, that the LGBT lifestyle, if you will. We know it now as an identity. But there was once upon a time when it was referred to as an aberrant lifestyle. Now, like I said, I don't want to turn this into an English lesson, lesson or something like that, but aberrant means any type of, of, of action or element that deviates from a moral standard. You can look it up on Google if you want to, but that's what comes up that it, 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 it departs from a moral standard. And you can best believe that the term aberrant has a lot more context to it than different. Aberrant is construed as bad, and different is just something that is not like the other one. And this is how... LGBT people were referred to for a long time. That, that being a homosexual was considered an aberrant lifestyle. 
I don't know if I if I were an LGBT person that I would want to get that punch in the eye where someone tries to describe my uh, my identity as something that is deviant, aberrant. You know. It's one of those things that I can absolutely live with as a person who in my regular day job, I have to deal with written correspondence as well. To me, having to be mindful of my pronouns is the least I could do for the greater good of society. I'm going to wrap this thing up in just a minute, but I want to point out one last thing. You know, a minute ago when I say it's y'all, it's you straight religious conservative type people that put the onus on the rest of us to help you cope with what you don't understand or you don't want to understand. And if you don't believe me, I'll put my own business out there for a minute. Now, I spent a number of years, a number of years on active duty in the United States Navy. I know I probably should have brought this up on the five minutes of funk thing, but, you know, now it's come up. And I was serving on Navy ships around the time when after women had been integrated into seagoing duty. Right. However, I was stationed on board one of the last ships to integrate. It was a frigate. It was was the ship class. And I don't want to turn this into much of a deep dive into Navy jargon in case you're not familiar with it. But this ship was small. This ship was old. It was still in the fleet. But to retrofit these vessels for uh, men and women on board to have separate quarters was just deemed ridiculously expensive since the ship was going to be out, you know, going to be phased out of the fleet anyway. But for a few years, women were brought on board the ships in very limited numbers. I was on board one of those ships when the first female officers were stationed on board. Had two officers, two female officers come on board the ship and to serve, right? One of the very basic things that I noticed that we men, American men, have our heads so far up our asses that we could be preparation H on our ears was something as simple as what we used to call a navigation brief. Now, whenever a ship pulls into a port someplace, by regulation, the ship has to conduct what's known as a brief with the, the, ca- the commanding officer, the second-in-command uh, executive officer, the ship's navigator, and everybody on board because, you know, pulling into port is serious business. So you have to be able to say that you had the navigation brief at a certain time before you pulled into port. The key players in these used to always introduce themselves before they give their piece. You know, this would be someone that would show what uh, navigation points, which map, which which route they were going to use, and they would always introduce themselves and say, good afternoon, Captain XO Gentleman. That's what they would always say. They would always say, good afternoon, Captain XO Gentleman. This is the navigation brief for such and such a date and such and such a time. Good afternoon, Captain XO Gentleman. You ain't never seen a bunch of educated, professional men fumble over their dumbass selves more than have to try to say, Captain X, old gentleman, with two women in the audience. Good afternoon, Captain X. 
women of the wardroom. Come on, man. Really? Are you that stupid? How? And, and, and I, after that first meeting, I lit into those hooligans like a, like a house ablaze. How the hell can you jackasses not understand how to say Captain X, old ladies and gentlemen? Is it that effing hard for you? Evidently so. That, that little evolution right there spoke volumes about the way that people put the onus of their own stupidity on other people. Basically, I don't want to have to reinvent the way that I've been living my life on board this ship, so why send women on board? That whole element of trying to avoid accountability for what you don't know has been the fulcrum of just about every discriminatory practice that has happened in this country since its inception. How do I deal with black people in the military? You know what? They shouldn't even be here. Why should I have to put my pronouns? Why do I have to say he or she? It's because you don't know how to do it. It's different for you, and you put the onus of the other people that demand that their identities and their abilities get recognized. You put the onus on them to just disappear. So, to be clear, Black people, LGBTs, and other protected groups shout and we demand these nuances that recognize our existence because of y'all. It's because of you who want to act like we don't exist that you have to listen to us shout at pride, shout at Black History Month and Martin Luther King's birthday. Because your choice now is you need to own it and then decide how bad you want to shut us up and then put that shit out of your mind. Because all of our days of shutting up, including using our pronouns, those days are effectively over. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, this has been your five minutes of funk. So to be clear, check out my Twitter feed at 5M of F1 for your recommendations, suggestions, bitches, moans, and gripes. I'm going to talk to you again in a few days as usual. So until then, be good. <laughs>